0: Novel Magics by Michael K. Ostis Chapter 7. Healing Greg woke up coughing, his chest on fire. Each shallow gasp was a mouthful of sand and ashes that tore at his lungs. His coughing intensified, deep wet assaults racking at his diaphragm. Something behind his sternum came loose, surging up and blocking his windpipe. For a moment, instinctive terror took over, but a golf-ball-sized wad of mucus erupted from his throat, out his mouth, and landed somewhere in the distance with a loud, wet plap. Greg rested his head on the floor, taking deep breaths and feeling the cold concrete against his scalp as exhaustion overwhelmed him. The air smelled of old leather mixed with thick layers of undisturbed dust but beneath that loomed something acrid. A bitterness. A memory. The right neurons fell into place, and all the events of the past few days came crushing back into his mind. Greg closed his eyes so tight stars appeared in the darkness of his eyelids, and a groan escaped its mouth, its strangled sound fluttering around the closed-off room like a moth seeking escape. He remembered the skin of his hands melting, the Athenaeum on fire, and the unburned tomes that nevertheless caused searing pain to claw and drag its jagged way up his arms. He fought to remember the rest, to look past the pain to the events that had started it all, the events he had failed to stop, despite his prodigious precognitive abilities. The woman, Sarah, who had driven her car into the Athenaeum. Why had she done that? She had been attacked by two tome users posing as EMTs. There was something important there, but Greg could not figure out what. And when Sarah had attacked them, they had tried to kill her. In doing so, they had burned down the Athenaeum without any hesitation. Of all the things that had happened, this was the one that had him most worried. All tome-users had a connection to the Athenaeum and at least in part felt it to be a sort of home. To do such a thing with a disruption should have been impossible. Greg started to work the questions over in his mind, raising one hand to scratch at the stubble of a beard growing on his chin. He stopped his hand in front of his face, peering at it hard, not sure what he was looking at. His hand had been replaced with a peeling balloon of smoked meat. Squares of bone, yellow as cheese, poked out of red, seeping muscle. His hands were beyond useless. Without proper medical treatment soon, they would start to rot, and once gangrene set in, well, he would be dead. Helpless terror gripped him as nausea-thickened spit welled up at the back of his throat, His abdomen started spasming with dry heaves, his mind spinning, processing this new information. He had to act. He had to get out of here. Slowly, painfully, Greg used his elbows on a nearby chair to leverage himself to his feet. His legs shook with the effort, but thankfully didn't give. With little movements that sent spasms of cramping pain up and down his neck, back and legs... Greg looked at his surroundings. He was still in the Athenaeum, apparently in a room that had escaped the rest of the blaze. He could make out the shapes of furniture around him in the thin lamplight, several chairs similar to the one he had just used as a leaning post, positioned in groups of four around several short, rectangular tables. Beyond them was a hallway, which he had presumably walked through to get here, The Athenaeum's halls were a series of eccentric circles, each one spiraling off of its predecessor, the rooms built off of each hall like grapes budding off of a vine. With all the flexibility of a rusted steel rod, Greg bent over and looped the shoulder strap of his satchel around his wrist, lifting it to slide onto his shoulder. Despite moving as cautiously as possible, one of the bag's bulging sides bumped into the tender flesh of his hands. A blinding flash of pain and a wave of dizziness threatened to overwhelm him, but somehow Greg stayed on his feet. He stood for a moment, focused on nothing more than keeping his balance and breathing. He tried to take a step, but the weight of all of the tomes he had rescued was too much for him. Several pain-filled minutes passed as Greg used the insides of his wrists to open the top flap of his satchel and, one by one, drop all of the tomes unceremoniously onto the floor, each landed with a bang that shattered against the concrete walls and empty bookshelves of the dim room. Finally, only his tome remained. He caught his breath and forced his legs to move towards the hallway. When he reached the door, the hall was in total blackness, only the faint light of the room showing any kind of detail. The light faded mere feet from where he stood, as if devoured by the shadows. He took a step forward, choosing a direction at random. His legs moved better now, the muscles growing more flexible as they warmed up with each stride. Ahead of him, Greg could see the square light of yet another room. It was the same room. As he walked in, his eyes adjusting to the light, he saw the pile of tomes laying right where he left them. Greg turned around, looking back down the hallway, and in the distance he saw a square of pale light. In its center, the silhouette of a man stood. Panic swelled again, but Greg forced it back down. Slowly, experimentally, fearfully, Greg raised one of his ruined hands above his head, feeling the skin stretch tight across his fingers as the limb reached its fullest extent. The figure outlined in the doorway also raised its hand. Greg refused to look back into the hallway as he entered the room and flopped down on one of the chairs, its green cushions throwing up a cloud of dust. He stared into the middle distance, eyes unfocused as the lamps continued to glow around him, their soft incandescence casting strange shadows on the walls. What the hell was going on? What the actual fucking goddamn shit was going on? These and other, less repeatable, phrases circled his mind like a cloud of stinging insects, biting, nagging, and then one of the shadows moved. Out of the corner of his eyes, he saw a deeper darkness coalesce and in jittering stop-motion strides approach where he sat. It was eight feet tall and shaped something like a human, but there were no features apparent in its form. As it grew closer, Greg got the impression of a great beast approaching, something powerful that had decided, for now, not to leap on the small, pants-wearing ape that sat in front of it. A breeze tugged at the loose or torn parts of his clothing, pulling them towards the creature, Greg suppressed a shudder. "'Well?' Greg said, finally working up enough courage to speak. "'What are you?' The creature did not answer, simply moving closer and stepping directly into Greg's line of vision. It bent toward him, its massive hands reaching towards his own mangled ones. As the shadowy fingers enveloped his own, Greg stiffened. A bone-deep ache filled his hands, flaring as if stung by dozens of biting insects. Greg tried to pull away, but his muscles wouldn't listen to his brain's commands. He tried to scream, but the sound was strangled in his throat. An eternity later, the thing withdrew its grip and straightened. Blinking through tears, Greg looked down at his hands. They were still bad, still mangled beyond belief but a layer of partially see-through skin had been pulled over the exposed muscle like saran wrap. You no longer need to fear infection, the thing said. Greg did not hear it speak. The creature's voice went straight into his mind. Greg looked up at it, into the smoky absence of a face. Thanks was all he could think to say. Place the tones. the creature said. ''What?'' Greg asked. ''Place the tomes on the shelves,'' it said, pointing to the pile of tomes that he had left on the floor. ''Picking things up isn't my strong suit right now,'' Greg said, waving his hands like a mangled silent applause. ''Nevertheless, you will place the tomes on the shelves,'' The creature said this with an icy calm, a certainty that made the hair on the back of Greg's neck rise. How? he asked. The creature did not answer, merely continuing to stare down at him. It had saved him, after all, first from the fire and now from immediate infection. Greg looked at his hands, then down at the pile of tomes and heaved a great sigh. Fine, Greg said. He stood up, creaking, and walked to the tomes. He started to bend over, but then stopped and turned to face the creature, frowning. Are they going to burn my hands like last time? he asked. No, the creature pulsed into his mind. The power within them now sleeps. You need not fear. Not willing to trust the word of an unknown ghostly figure, Greg stopped his hand several inches from one of the tome's leather covers, feeling for any ambient heat. Satisfied that there was none, Greg once again used the insides of his wrists to lift the tomes. Half walking, half limping, he moved to the nearest bookshelf and lay the tome down on its surface of polished concrete. As if lifted by a magnetic field, the tome snapped upright into its proper orientation. "'One down,' Greg said out loud, giving a clumsy thumbs-up to the smoke creature before shuffling back to the pile for another tome. Greg had no way to tell time, but it felt like the better part of an hour before all the tomes were lined up on the shelves." Sweat dribbled off his skin like rainwater, and several times he dropped a tome because the insides of his wrists were just too wet to hold onto the smooth leather. Exhausted, he slumped into one of the chairs, pangs of hunger gnawing at his stomach. "'Do you got any food in here?' Greg asked the creature through a dry throat. "'Or at least some water?' "'No,' the creature said. "'But there is... Substance. I sure as hell hope so. Not gonna last very long without... Greg trailed off as one of the nearby chairs was suddenly filled with a thin human figure, slumping back into it, its head lolling lifelessly over the low back of the chair. It was the gutter punk who had saved Greg's life the first time. Greg stood so fast he nearly fell out of his chair, running over to him and kneeling to get a closer look at his face. The kid's clothes and body were covered in soot and ash, his lips tinted a light blue. He was breathing, but barely. Greg gently shook his shoulder. Oh shit, hey kid, you okay? The kid's eyes fluttered open, but they were unfocused. Still, he recognized Greg through the haziness of his vision. Hey, the kid said, it's you. Damn. He tried to sit up, but couldn't move much. What happened? Greg asked. I thought you got out. I ran back in after you. I heard you in the smoke, but I couldn't find you. The kid's voice was weak, his breathing harsh and raspy. I must have passed out. You idiot, Greg said, shaking his head. It's a miracle you're alive. Greg turned to speak to the creature. You realize this compounds the problem of no food and water, right? What? the punk asked. He followed Greg's gaze. Who the hell are you talking to? To that thing there, Greg said, pointing at the shadow. It's kind of hard to see, but it's right over the table there. I can't see shit, the kid said. Unease settled over Greg like a wet shirt goosebumps racing down his arms. The gutter punk shouted in pain, making Greg jump. What's wrong? he asked. My legs. It feels like I'm being stabbed. He screamed again, loud and long, the noise becoming a wail. What part? Greg asked, his eyes searching the kid's pants for a bloody hole or tear. He saw nothing and, unsure what else to do, Greg lifted the gutter punk's right pant leg up to the knee. The kid's skin was gray and mottled, bumpy as though covered by a thick fungus. Greg stared, shocked. Not knowing, again, what else to do, he reached out and touched the growth with the tip of his finger. The kid's leg was completely encased in concrete what is it the gutter punk asked through clenched teeth what do you see can you move your legs greg asked the gutter punk made strange sounds as though lifting something heavy i can't he said voice rising with panic he tried to move desperately flailing the upper half of his body in an attempt to free himself he screamed again the sound ragged with pain It's at my stomach, he screamed. His hands scrambled for the bottom of his shirt, grabbing it and raising the fabric to reveal his torso. The concrete was growing across his flesh. The gutter punk and Greg stared, momentarily not believing what they were looking at. Then the gutter punk's mouth started working, his terrified string of curses breaking the stunned silence. Greg stood, took out his satchel, his tome landing on the floor, its pages splaying open like the crumpled wings of a bird that had just fallen from the sky. Maybe there was a way to stop this, something he wasn't thinking of that the future could reveal to him. Sweat beaded on his forehead as he fought back the fatigue and the hunger, practically falling to his knees to get a closer look at the pages. For just an instant, he noticed how thin the pages left to him seemed. Barely as thick as his thumbnail, the remaining disruptions left to him had to number less than a hundred. When the disruptions ran out, so too would his will to live. His heart would still beat, his brain would still fire signals, but he would be dead to the world, just one more old man, his usefulness wrung from him like water from a wash rag. He hesitated, weighing what was left of his worth against the life of this to be honest, this stranger. This stranger that saved your life, said a voice in his head. A stranger that wouldn't be here in the first place if it wasn't for your stubbornness. God damn it, Greg said. He found a disruption for seeing the nearby future and spoke it out loud. The sounds of a brass gong erupted from his throat as images danced before his eyes, the familiar unfolding of fluorescent pastel-flowered petals filling his sight as the future spread its many possibilities out before him. He saw himself all at once, looking in the other tomes and hitting the encroaching concrete with a broken-off chair leg, pulling ineffectively at the concrete with his fingers and... Sitting quietly next to the kid, holding his hand as his body petrified. As he watched, the colors of the last vision grew brighter, its shapes more solid. Greg looked up from the future, checking on the kid. He was no longer moving. Greg went to him, taking the gutter punk's hand in his. The hand was ice cold, and small, hard nodules had formed on the skin. "'What's happening to me?' the kid asked, laboring to breathe through the weight of his encased ribcage. In that moment, the kid looked infinitely small, young, and scared. A memory flashed in Greg's mind, a young man with Greg's same rounded face, but gaunt with a long illness, slowly wasting away until he had died in Greg's arms." Thomas had been around this kid's age, hadn't he? Greg pushed the memories aside, focusing on the person in front of him. "'What's your name?' Greg asked, fighting to keep his voice under control as he blinked back tears. "'Aiden,' the boy whispered, his voice craggy and dry. "'Thank you for saving my life before, Aiden.' Greg said, unable to keep his words from breaking. He used his free hand to wipe away his tears, not wanting the gutter punk, not wanting Aiden, to see him crying. It might scare the boy. Greg needn't have bothered. Aiden was already dead, his body completely encased. Greg wasn't sure how long he sat next to the boy, vision blurred and throat so tight he could hardly breathe. Absently, he massaged the sides of his throat, finally allowing himself to speak. ''Did you just kill that boy?'' Greg asked, his voice creaking like an old hinge. He was too tired to stand or even turn and look at the creature. He waited for its response. Already, he knew the answer. ''Did you not ask for food, for your hands to be healed?'' ''What does that mean?'' Greg snarled, anger giving him strength as he surged to his feet. I asked for food and water, not to... not for... Greg's words cut out as his emotions flared, his desire to attack the creature kept in check by fear of what it might do to him if he made that attempt. Look at your hands, the creature said. Greg felt a sense of calm that was not his own flood his body. He wanted to rail against it, to make the creature feel every bit of fear and anger and terror that Aiden had felt, but whatever fire had started in him was now just a wet pile of ash. Obeying the creature's command, he looked down at his hands. Though not completely healed, his hands were better. The swelling had gone down, and they were no longer covered by a thin wrapping of skin. Rather, each individual finger was now covered by a thick, waxy casing of flesh. The hunger, which moments ago had been like a badger trying to claw its way out of his stomach, was gone. What did you do? Greg asked, his voice hollow. What is necessary to survive? The creature responded. If it makes you feel better, the boy saved your life twice. Once when he pulled you out of the fire. And just now, the energy he gave will be put to good use. Greg slumped into one of the chairs, placing his head in his hands. Eyes closed, he tried to push the images out of his mind, Aiden's face blending with that one from so long ago, the one that had nearly been forgotten under the calluses of time. Don't worry, the creature continued. You will grow used to it as more come. More? Greg asked. How many more? How many chairs do you see in this room? The creature asked him. Greg counted sixteen chairs, including Aiden's and the one in which he sat. No, Greg said. No, I'll smash every one of these. He got up, using his newly healed fingers to lift one of the chairs and fling it across the room. With a crack, its back and two of its legs splintered from the frame. Yes, you will, the creature said, projecting an image into Greg's mind. The image solidified, and Greg knew with a precog's instinct that he was looking into the future. A gaunt Greg, with long, wispy beard hairs and balding head, was in a room. He had some kind of string in his hands wrapped around the throat of a young woman, strangling the life from her. She struggled, weak punches glancing off his forearms, until eventually she stopped moving. The Greg in the future released her and looked on impassively as her body was covered in concrete. In time, we will come to work together as partners. The creature pulsed. At the present, Greg, who had fallen to his knees, watching the scene play out. No, Greg said. I'll kill myself first. What makes you think I will allow you to die? Hello, dear listener. This is Michael Ostis. I am the author of Novel Magics. Thank you for listening to this episode. New episodes come out monthly, so please go to my website, novelmagicspodcast.com, for the full schedule and other updates. New episodes are now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can find me by searching Novel Magics on any one of these. If you enjoyed what you just heard and would like to help this podcast grow, please leave a review or share this with anyone who might enjoy what I have going on here. This is still a one-man show and very much in its infancy, so every little bit helps. Thank you again for listening, and I really hope to see you again next time. Stay safe out there. Novel Magics is an original story, written, recorded, and produced by Michael Austis.